Hello. Just before we start, don't forget that this DNA Detectives podcast is inspired by the DNA Detectives books, and you can find those online and in all good bookshops. Hello, and welcome to the DNA Detectives, the podcast all about DNA. I'm Dr. Mandy Hartley. I'm a scientist, and I work with DNA, and I also write the DNA Detective books all about Annabelle and Harry, two children who use DNA to solve mysteries. We're investigating what DNA is, why it's important and what it's used for. And helping me to do that is the real Annabelle from the DNA Detective books, who also happens to be my daughter. Hello. Hello, Annabelle. whine of a pesky mosquito flying past your ear just as you're falling asleep at night. If you're in Africa, Asia and parts of North America this could mean danger because in these areas many mosquitoes carry a disease called malaria. If one bites you you could get very ill. In fact malaria kills half a million people around the world every year. Today we're going to find out more about it and more importantly how DNA is being used to fight it, and perhaps even get rid of it altogether. So to find out more, we spoke to Dr Marcus Lee and Dr Mara Lornizak, who work at the Sanger Institute in Cambridge. Before we start, remember to listen carefully, as right at the end we'll be asking some questions to see if you've been listening. We started off by asking them exactly what they do at the Institute, starting with Mara. I am an evolutionary geneticist and I sequence the genomes of lots of mosquitoes to try to understand how they are sharing their genetic information across Africa. Yeah, so I'm a research scientist too and uh, we study the malaria parasite itself and how it becomes resistant to drugs that we use to kill it, which is a big problem. So maybe you could just explain to us a little bit about malaria. What is malaria? Uh, so it's a parasite, um, and so a parasite essentially is an organism that needs another organism to survive. So it needs to live inside or on a host. Um, and so these are things typically that are much bigger than viruses. And um, the malaria parasite is about the size of a, a yeast cell, if you think of you know, the yeast you use to bake bread. And it lives often inside, inside your red blood cells. So when the mosquito first bites you and delivers the parasite into your body, it travels to the liver and starts to grow there for a short while. And at that point, you don't know you're sick. But um, after that point, it comes out and it starts to invade your red blood cells. And uh, it starts growing very fast. And one parasite inside one red blood cell will make 20 parasites, roughly. Each of those will make 20 more. And so very quickly, then you have many, many parasites in your body. And that's when you start to feel sick. And because your red blood cells are starting to get destroyed by the parasite, eventually you start to get anemic so you have less less red blood cells. Um, every time they burst out, every two days, you have this cycle of fever and chills, which is one of the classic malaria symptoms. And eventually, as you start getting sicker and sicker, you have flu-like symptoms, you have nausea, aches, um, uh, and eventually you can get so sick that you, you will die, and lots of people do die. There are cures, and so there's lots of anti-malarial drugs, they're called, that you can use to kill the parasite. And some of them have been incredibly successful, and uh, the only real problem is that over time, the malaria parasite can become resistant to those drugs. And that happens by changes in the parasite's DNA. 
So there could be just a single point mutation, a little change in the gene uh, that encodes what the drug is binding to. Is, is that is that like a, a spelling mistake? Because we learned that DNA is made up of a, a C, G and T. So is that just a simple st- spelling mistake that's causing this? Yeah, and in this case, it's a it's a lucky spelling mistake for the parasite because um, you know, these things happen randomly, and there's 23 million ACs, Gs, and Ts in the in the parasite genome in this case, and it just takes maybe one change. So maybe one way to think about it is, is the drug is like a a key, and what it's binding to is a lock, and normally it fits really well, and that would kill the parasite. But one small spelling mistake can change the shape of the lock just enough that the key now doesn't fit, and the drug doesn't work. And so then once that parasite is surviving, then of course it can make more parasites because it's not being killed. And eventually those parasites can spread. And so what was once just a single parasite that has this you know, lucky mutation can eventually take over the whole world. So how are scientists using DNA to help stop malaria? Well, we're doing a lot of what's called genome sequencing of the parasite and of the mosquitoes that transmit the parasite. The genome is, is all the DNA, isn't it? It's all the instructions. It is. And like Marcus said, there's 23 million of those letters in a parasite. And there's 10 times that much again in a mosquito. So there's 230 million in a mosquito. We're sequencing all 200 million of those A's, C's, T's and G's in a mosquito and all 23 million in a parasite. And we're doing that for lots of individuals to try to understand how are these um, different individual parasites and mosquitoes connected to each other over space and time. So for example, we've sequenced over 3,000 individual mosquitoes from places all across Africa. And we can use this to study, for example, whether a species mates only within its own species or sometimes goes a little bit awry and mates with a mosquito from a different species, but that's closely enough related for them to have offspring. That means that if mosquito species A had already developed insecticide resistance that mates with a species that it can kind of share genetic information with, but not super efficiently, um, then that mutation can also move into another species. So what that means is you see lots of variation and normally things are just ticking away and you see mutations all over the place. And if a new mutation arises that has a very powerful effect, it starts to move really fast through the population over a short period of time. And so those are the sorts of signals we're looking for in the genomes of these mosquitoes that we sequence. We're looking for these strong footprints that say something odd is going on here. There's a very strong event that's causing these mosquitoes to change their genome at this region. And could that maybe be related to insecticide resistance? And if it is, then we want to implement something that we kind of call surveillance. So we're actually watching that over time and trying to change the control measures that we use to push that mutation back down and to make those mosquitoes susceptible to the insecticides again. So you, you don't want these different variants to, to rise in the, in the populations of, of mosquito, is that right? That's right. It's the female that does the biting. And I understand there's, there's a kind of idea that we could make mosquitoes all male by changing their DNA. Is that right? That is right. That's through a process that's called gene drive. And the idea is that you could release uh, a strain of mosquitoes that were created in the lab that were um, carrying a kind of mutation that would basically, as you say, kill off the, the one of the sexes. It would be very hard to find a mate in the next generation. I think there's lots of projects under underway to try to develop approaches that would work for that in um, in labs. 
So if we made all of the mosquitoes male, would it wipe out all of the mosquitoes and malaria? It's a little bit of a tricky question because there are 500 Anopheles species around the world that we know of, um, and about 50 of those can transmit human malaria. Only about five or 10 of them really do it at a frequency that is really, really drastic, and we really need to kind of focus on those top transmitters right now, and that's where most of the effort is. It's on these top transmitters in Africa. But actually, even those top transmitters, if we made them all male <laughs> from today forward, we'd still have malaria because a lot of people are carrying malaria parasites and there still will be plenty of mosquito species around that could do a little bit of transmission here and there. So I think we actually need all of the different approaches that we are working on. One approach isn't going to solve it all. And can you tell us something um, about in the news recently about the vaccine for malaria? Yeah, so, I mean, there's been lots of research into malaria vaccines for decades, really. And, you know, it's, it's a real testament to the situation with coronavirus that it's been a year and people have actually got a vaccine that's in people. And so that's really an incredible pace and, um, you know, never really been accomplished before for any other disease. And so for malaria, it's been much more complicated and it's been a long slog and, and really decades of work. And we're still not at a point where we have a, a vaccine that works very effectively. And part of the reason for that is that a parasite is just much more complicated than a virus. A virus might only have a few genes or tens of genes, whereas the malaria parasite has about five and a half thousand genes and has got a lot of capacity to change its genome. And so one example is that when it's inside a red blood cell, it has this protein, actually it's probably several proteins, but one that's on the surface of the red blood cell that the immune system can see. And um, you could think, okay, well, let's make a vaccine to that protein and you would be able to you know, take out the parasite. But in fact, it has not one gene, but about 60 different genes that code different versions of that protein. And so it's a bit like having a wardrobe of 60 different coats, and it only wears one coat at a time. And so you put out a, a notice saying, you know, police, look for this person in this coat, and it can change coats. And so that's kind of the problem with the developing a good vaccine, that every parasite is not the same, just like every person is genetically a bit different, that there's a lot of variation. And that's why Maura was saying earlier that sequencing lots of different parasites gives us some idea of the genetic diversity of the parasite. And um, what you need with a vaccine is just to recognize one thing that doesn't really ever change. And that's that's been really hard to find something in the parasite that fulfills that. They're getting better, they're getting more effective, but it's still not, it's not 100% effective by any means. It's just amazing, isn't it? I mean, we've learned so many interesting things from you both today. And I think Annabelle's got one final question, haven't you, Annabelle? So have you always wanted to be a scientist and what's your favourite part of the job? I don't think I always wanted to be a scientist. I know as a kid I wanted to be a vet. That's kind of a scientist, I guess. And then I wanted to be a marine biologist for a long time. Um, I would have never guessed I'd end up working on malaria. My favorite part of the job, well, now I really love what I do. I love most things about what I do. I like being able to kind of have freedom to be curious and have a question and know that, like what my tools are to go out and try to answer that question. What about you, Marcus? I didn't realize I wanted to be a scientist when I was a kid. Nothing sort of fundamental as that, but I think I always did like biology. I mean, I remember growing up watching David Attenborough documentaries a lot. It's a real testament to how influential he is and how long he's been around, because I'm, I'm not that young. But 
So I loved biology as a kid, and I guess I just kept choosing to do things, the next obvious thing that let me do more biology. And so eventually that led me to here to be a research scientist. You know, the thing I really like about the job, it's tempting to say, you know, that moment when you get the really great result or you find something new. But in fact, I think it's actually the, the beginning of that process, which is when you have an interesting idea, and it doesn't happen very often, it doesn't happen every day or even every month, but occasionally you have this idea and you think, oh, actually, this, this would be interesting to study. And, you know, maybe we could actually ask this question and work on this. And so it's a long haul from that point then to actually get anything productive. And many times those ideas go nowhere. But just that moment where you have, you know, a thought that, okay, this is actually, this could be interesting. That's, I think that's the fun part. Makes an interesting debate, doesn't it, Annabelle? Whether or not we should use DNA to wipe out a species just because we can. As Mara said, it might not work. And she thinks we need all the approaches scientists are currently working on to wipe out malaria for good. Yes, I worry about the effects on the environment and other animals in the food chain if you wiped out a species for good. Once it's done, you can't go back. That's true. Well, I said at the beginning I was going to ask you some questions. So here we go. I need you to answer true or false. A parasite is an organism that needs sugar to survive. Is that true or false? Second question. A mosquito has 230 million A's, C's, G's and T's. A parasite has 23 million A's, C's, G's and T's. Is that true or false? It is the female mosquito which bites and passes on the malaria parasite to humans. If we can make all mosquitoes male, we could prevent the spread of malaria. This process is called gene running. Is that true or false? Excellent. Well, I hope you get those right. And if you want to check, you can go to our website, where you'll also find some fun activities and more information about today's episode. The website is insightandperspective.co.uk Well that's all for today. Look out for other podcasts in this series. Just search for The DNA Detectives wherever you get your podcasts and click subscribe which means you'll automatically get every episode as it comes out. Till next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.